Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas to me so you can keep more of what you have. Our websites are clark.com and clarkdeals.com. And we've had such interest and concern among people who've lost their jobs who are having difficulty paying their mortgages. And the percent of people who have not been able to stay current on mortgages is somewhere around 9%, more or less, is the latest number I've been able to get my arms around. And most people with mortgages, those mortgages are actually behind the curtains done by the feds. So you go to a bank, you go to a credit union, you go to a mortgage broker, wherever you go to get a loan, ultimately that loan is backed by various federal entities in most, most cases, not all. So if you cannot pay your mortgage and you're looking at what's going to happen, are you going to get foreclosed on? If your loan is backed by the feds, you have a variety of repayment options that the feds now refer to as hierarchy repayment. But you only have access to the hierarchy if you first stay in contact with your lender. So when you face a point where you have difficulty making a payment, you contact your lender and you talk to them about forbearance. Now, a lot of times the customer no service workers that you talk to at the banks or the mortgage servicers are not current on what the law requires. But the deal is that you are allowed if you're facing economic hardship, to be able to ask for forbearance, which means not having to make your payments now. And what we've been hearing from people is that the lenders first offer you three months of forbearance, although the federal system was designed to be a six-month with a potential renewal for six more months. But what's changed just in the last few days is what happens when you finish your forbearance? Let's say you you go through the max and now you got to start resuming your payments. People are being told from time to time when they call lenders that the day you start making your payment again, all the prior payments that went into forbearance all have to be caught up at once. And that's a big fat lie. So the real story is that you have a variety of options. One is working out a payment plan. Two is having those months put at the back end of your loan or under the new procedures referred to as the hierarchy of repayment and loan modification options. That's a mouthful, isn't it? You are going to have the ability 
to wait till you refi your loan, and at which point the months that you missed have to be made up, or at the time you sell your home, you will make those payments, and that'll just be collected all at once. And so you are in a position where you will have a variety of options. Now, the thing is, and I don't understand how this all works behind the curtains, but lenders aren't required to tell you or to even have their employees trained on the new options of it being when you sell a home or when you refinance your loan. They don't even have to start even telling you that till after the 1st of July. So I'm telling you now, and you would be teaching the person on the phone at customer no service something they don't even know yet, but I want you to know what your options are. Now, I said most people are in a federal loan, right? So who's not typically in a federal loan? Let's say someone has a very difficult credit situation and you end up going for a private mortgage. These tend to carry rates 50% higher to twice as high as a real loan, a traditional loan. And people take them out when they are in a, a tough spot. An example would be is if somebody is selling you a home and they own or finance it for you because you're a high-risk borrower, and so they're hoping to make more money in interest on the loan, and in the event that you don't pay, they're in a position to foreclose. The other situation involves people who take out a jumbo loan, a very large loan that is done by a private investor. The other category are people that are self-employed or can't qualify under normal criteria, and you go into a private loan. But that is everything I just referred to is a tiny slice of the mortgage market, which means most people are eligible for the ability to implement forbearance and to have the variety of repayment options. Now, I want you to post questions you have for me at clark.com ask. Producers Kim and Joel alternate asking your questions for you. And Kim, you're up first. All right, this is from Kara in Ohio. Hi, Clark. I'm a physician assistant from Ohio, but I'm currently deployed to New York City to work in the COVID ICU. I will likely be here for six more weeks. I'm contracted as a 1099, therefore my income made in New York City is not currently taxed. I want to be prepared for next tax season and would like to save as much as possible. Do you know if I'll have to pay state taxes in both my home state of Ohio Ohio, as well as New York. Also, someone suggested that I start an LLC so that I can open a SEP for my income. What do you think? All right, those are a lot of questions. So let me see if I can remember them all. And Kim, if I miss something, remind me, okay? You got it. All right, number one, uh, you, since you're being paid 1099, you are going to need to pay quarterly into the IRS estimates of what tax you will owe at a later date and 
you also will have to pay both sides of Social Security. So you have a pretty hefty tax bill you're going to have to pay the feds. Uh, second thing I want to tell you, and I should have said it first, this is really, really wonderful that you put your life on the line to go to New York, where we've had by far our largest outbreak in the United States, one of the largest in the world, putting yourself on the front line to save lives. Um, on the issue of state tax, you will likely have to compute both a part-year New York return and an Ohio return. Your situation lends itself to using the services of an enrolled agent, that's somebody who is registered with the IRS as an expert in taxation, or a CPA who does tax, at least for this one year. I would not rely upon tax preparation software. You, as a 1099 employee, or non-employee, 1099 basically contractor, you're going to be free to do a SEP and you will not have to establish an LLC in order to do the SEP. There's likely no reason for you to go to the expense and effort to establish that LLC because simply by you having the 1099 income, you're going to be eligible and able to do a SEP. And for uh, people who don't know what that is, that's a simplified employee pension. And it requires a half a page of paperwork takes the paperwork takes less than a couple of minutes to fill out and then you're able to put aside roughly a quarter of the income that you will have earned while you work 1099 in New York State and then you're going to greatly reduce the tax burden you would owe if you shelter up to a quarter of that income into a SEP you can do a SEP with any of my low-cost companies that I recommend on my investment guide at clark.com. And Kim, did I miss any of the questions? You nailed it. All right, Joel. Clark, Billy in Florida says, you often talk about online banks and the better savings rates over the big guys. I really want to take your advice and open a savings account or accounts to invest in my savings. Uh, can you make me a believer, though, that these banks are solid, safe, and FDIC insured? Convince me because I'm nervous about potential risks. Sure, they're all FDIC insured. None of the... The banks that are on the list that I refer you to at bankrate.com are going to be anything other than FDIC insured. They're all the real deal. Now, the savings rates are, in fact, dropping, and I need to go into that in more detail, an alternate strategy, because as the Federal Reserve has lowered the rates it controls, it has also indirectly affected what you can earn on savings, but you are a-okay up to a quarter million in any of those institutions if you go to bankrate.com front screen you'll see best savings rates click on that that box when you get there the first part will be ads go down from the ads and you'll see their survey of the best savings rates in the country kim Dr. John Moses from North Carolina says, I've received a partial tuition refund for a child who had to come home early, early in the semester due to COVID. The tuition was originally paid with funds from my 529. Should I deposit the funds back into the 529 account or wait to use it and use it for tuition for next semester? That's a great question. So you have to redeposit the money into the 529 account 
and then when you go to pay for the next semester, withdraw the money again. And uh, this was a procedure that I never even knew there was such a thing until we had to deal with these questions from people who were getting tuition refunds back from colleges. And who knew that there would ever be a circumstance where colleges would hand money back? In fact, there are a bunch of lawsuits against colleges that have not made refunds for some of the expenses like housing and food and things like that. And it'll be interesting to see how the courts resolve those cases. Joel? Clark Barbara in Oregon says, thank you for your ever-present quality guidance and perspective now more than ever. You said in your podcast recently that you believe this economic crisis will be short-lived because it's precipitated by a health crisis and not a systemic factor like the financial crash of 2007-2008. So given that the health crisis seems to be far from over, can you please elaborate on your rationale for optimism on the economy? I think we could all use a little bit of encouragement. So... This is crazy, but I would refer to it as uh, not necessarily optimism, but realism, is that we know that what happens with coronavirus is going to be for an undetermined period of time, but not anything that goes on forever. It's not going to be that kind of thing. Every pandemic ever studied by uh, historians has an unexpected end date that it just kind of eventually burns itself out and in no prior case that i can recall have we had a vaccine as what took out a um, took out a pandemic a worldwide pandemic and i think i want to address this in greater detail in just a few minutes why I have this sense of belief, this calmness about where we're headed with coronavirus. And I think you'll feel there's some meat on those bones after I talk some more about it. I I just want to gel that thought in my mind and maybe bring it to you just a little later in this show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Clark Rave, where we focus on something good that's happening at a time that a lot of people have felt out of sorts. Now I'm going to start with something that happened this past weekend. People in my neighborhood put together a parade for this year's high school graduates in our neighborhood, of which there were 23 from a variety of of high schools, public and public, public, private, and religious. And it was really, really so heartening. People were out along the sides of the road, and they had noisemakers, and uh, people had car horns they were honking. And then, all of a sudden, this motorcade 
came by very slowly with every vehicle decorated like it was uh, some kind of traditional parade with balloons and signs and people throwing candy from the motorcade to the people that were cheering them on. And it was so touching. It was so exciting to be part of. And our neighborhood's not unique. I know a number of neighborhoods have been having these little neighborhood parades for this year's senior class as they've missed their normal experience. And I think this kind of thing to help try to bring some festive feel back into something that has certainly not been festive for this year's high school seniors is great. And that's why I was impressed with a guy named Josh Crowell, who is a postal delivery person, who went around his route and every house where there was a graduate, he wrote a note, handwritten note to the graduate. And I saw an item on CNN that he also left each of them a Dunkin' Donuts gift card so that the students who have missed their special thing of their spring of their senior year are getting both this nice inspiring note and in addition getting the ability to develop at a very young age an addiction to caffeine from coffee well you don't have to have that at duncan you can have a donut if you want but whatever i thought that was really really touching and thanks josh for your kindness Wonderful to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Our websites are clark.com and clarkdeals.com. And I want to take up the challenge of a question that we had just a couple of minutes ago. Why is it that you hear optimism from me moving forward in this era of coronavirus, which has had so much negative about it so where my positive energy comes from is i have read so much and as i shared with you a while back i had had a fascination as a teenager with the 1918 1919 spanish flu which was so brutal in the world and had a loss of life far greater than we are even remotely likely to see from coronavirus where the estimates worldwide it with a much smaller world population a hundred years ago 50 to 100 million people died i mean that is an absolutely shocking number of people to die in about 16 months time if i remember right was the total window we in this era have a lot more tools of medicine than we had then and we will come up with a variety of protocols for effective treatment that will not save everybody but will help improve the odds of somebody who becomes very ill from coronavirus to survive and also that the symptoms will likely lessen as doctors around the country and around the world keep experimenting looking for the combination of treatments and meds 
that can make a difference. Plus, pharmaceutical companies are working really hard on medications that will make a difference. The stock market here and in Europe has gotten a booster shot in a very unusual way as people look for any ray of good news. And there's a company called Moderna, which has been a very controversial company because they're using an entirely new way to try to make drugs. And so far, they have been a lot of promise, but not a lot of results. Well, they have a first stage trial that they claim has shown good results for vaccinating for coronavirus. And they're about to start what's called the second stage, stage two, and they're already making plans for stage three. So investors hearing, hey, this first stage went well, showed how much people want good news. So is their vaccine going to work? Is somebody else's vaccine going to work? We'll see with time, but time is key. I believe that we are looking at something that will have a time period that we will eventually defeat coronavirus one of many different ways. Now, there are people that are fatalistic about it and are like, well, you know, I could die a who knows what. Let's go back and do things. And there's some of that going on here in the United States and around the world. But then there's also people going back to work in various states. And so I believe, as I said um, recently, that we have hit the peak number of the percent of Americans that will be unemployed, somewhere around 25%. And we may linger in that range for a while, but the news is not going to get worse from here. We've hit a floor, in my belief, and things will gradually improve. They'll be choppy, but they will improve. So, uh, you know, you can refer to that however you wish, realistic, optimistic, whatever. I think it's realistic that we are going to overcome this and don't know the exact path that's going to be. And even as we deal with the disease management, more and more economic activity will resume. Economic activity will not return to what we had at the beginning of this year for a good while because there are a number of businesses that will not reopen. There are a number of restaurants that will not reopen and consumers will decide one by one what activities they're comfortable engaging in and normal full engagement and activities will not return until people become very confident in a treatment or there is a vaccine that becomes widely available over time and is very effective. So we're going to be okay. It's not going to be immediate. But I think we are at the point where it's as rough as it's going to be. And from here, it will be better. And if that makes me an optimist, I accept the label. And producers Kim and Joel are alternating asking your questions for you. Who's up next? It's me. And this question is from Phil in Oklahoma. He says, you said that the airlines are checking for fevers of 100.4 as passengers board the plane. If they were to deny boarding, are they refunding your ticket immediately? Or is that a credit for a future flight? 
you know, the airlines only publish the policies that they're taking temperatures, and I would assume that they are giving full credits that will last for probably two years. I've not seen anything that they're giving refunds in that circumstance. But if I were an airline and I had somebody who had a fever, I'd give them their money back just so that people didn't worry about not having access to their funds. It'd also be a matter of how you how you deal with the airline after you're denied boarding. But 100.4, it's funny, there's not a standard everywhere around that 100.4 is the number. It's just the most accepted number that a temperature above that is a danger sign, and that's why that's the number the airlines are using. Joel? Clark Mark in Washington says, my son is going to medical school and borrowing from a private lender to pay for it. His interest rate for this is 6%, and we are making interest-only payments on it for him while he's in school. We have a lot of equity in our home, and we were wondering, would it be smarter to refinance our home at the current rates of about three and a quarter, which is better than our current rate of 4% for a 30-year mortgage, and then take money out to help him pay for school? He'd still pay us back the principal amount, though. That is an absolutely great question with the amplified risk that if you ended up in a position at some point you couldn't make the payments, you lose your home. But the advantage of cutting the interest rate by almost half is so extreme that I would say that it does make sense to do a cash-out refi for paying for medical school because the carry cost of the 6% is such a big burden, being able to knock that down to uh, somewhere around three and a quarter seems like a huge win. And as long as you're willing to take the risk of the danger to potentially losing the roof over your head, I would definitely go with the refi with the cash out to reduce the amount of student loan debt at 6%. Kim? Jorge in Florida says, I enjoy hearing your show, and today I heard you talking about the PPP program. I own a small motor coach company, and I haven't moved a bus since March 16th, and there's no work for the future because of COVID-19. I'm so sorry. I know. Do you recommend a PPP loan so that I can keep my drivers getting paid, or should I encourage them to collect unemployment? I'm truly not sure I understand the rules of the PPP program. (laughs) You and everybody else. Okay, so this is crazy. Uh, The feds issued guidance for how the loan forgiveness is going to work under the current rules late last week. And it is small type that is, if I remember right, 15 pages long. And it is a pretty technical document for the loan forgiveness And it's in the midst of a lot of belief that the rules are going to change again. Under the current rules, you have 60 days from when your loan funds to use the money for that portion that becomes eligible to be forgiven. Now, what does that mean, that portion that is eligible for forgiveness? Three quarters of the loan amount under the current rules has to be used for payroll. The other quarter can be used for 
rent mortgage, a, a small number of other activities. Now, there's a lot of pushback on the 60 days and also on the 75% being used towards payroll. I think there's a much better than 50-50 chance that those rules will be changed and the, the time period for the money turning into a grant and the loan, that portion of the loan being forgiven and also what expenses will be do, deemed eligible for forgiveness turning into a grant, those will expand also. So I would say you're sitting there with a business that you've had zero revenue for two months running now. Go ahead and apply for that PPP loan. As for your employees, for a period of time till probably late July, they will be earning potentially a similar amount on unemployment as you would be paying them because through the end of July, they get the $600 federal overlay of unemployment compensation on top of what your state pays. So that may be a situation where they are doing just fine on unemployment. What you would go ahead and prepare for an application for is the rules being loosened so that you would have more freedom of carrying that loan and having forgiveness later. In the worst possible case, you proceed with an application, you get approved, you get funded, and then you would owe 1% interest on the money that you have that would allow you to maintain your fleet and the other expenses you have beyond payroll, if nothing else. And I, I will tell you, as much as I can guarantee it, the rules for forgiveness will almost, I can't say certainly, I would say very high likelihood they do change. Joel? Clark Gordon in Massachusetts says, what is the best tablet to get for an older senior like myself? Well, most people use a tablet to do email, to message, to watch video content, and to play games. Those are the four most common activities. So just about any tablet will do any of those things very affordably and easily. Now, in terms of affordable, Woot.com, Amazon's clearance site, is clearing out Amazon Fire tablets that have been discontinued. And the prices started today as cheap as 30 bucks. The really, really, really dirt cheap ones have sold out. But if you go to Woot.com, W-O-O-T.com, see what's still available there. In the worst case, Amazon has introduced their brand new tablets that are $89 and $109, I think. And they are going to be shipped in the next about two weeks, I guess. And so you can buy a tablet to do those most common activities really so affordably. You don't need to go spend 300 or more dollars for a tablet for the uses that most people make of one. Kim? Clark, Rick in Wisconsin wants to know, he says, I rent cars when traveling, but I never take the rental collision coverage since I have homeowner's insurance coverage and a credit card as secondary coverage. 
What happens when you get in an accident? What does the rental car agency do? Do you have to pay for the damage right away? Fortunately, I've never actually had damage to a car. So what happens is the car rental company has a certain amount of money that they, depending on their policy, they will charge you at the time you return the vehicle following an accident. Um, But that money may not end up staying out of your pocket, particularly with you having the credit card as backup because the very credit card you use to do the rental covers generally what your own automobile insurance does not cover. So it is a hassle, though. I don't want to minimize that. When you decline the various pseudo-fake insurance things that the car rental companies push, you, when you rely on yourself with your credit card coverage is typically secondary to your own automobile insurance, you're going to have some administrative headache and hassle. The advantage of it is that most of us go forever with renting cars. I rent about 30 cars a year in a normal year, and I have had only one entanglement with a car rental company ever, and that was when a glass pane fell 40 stories out of a high-rise in Manhattan and crushed the car rental. And I had some hassle with that, let me tell you, following that damage to the vehicle, but it's worth it for all the money you're going to save. I was thinking, based on the question we just had a couple of minutes ago about when you rent a car, which a lot of people who don't normally rent cars are going to rent this summer because people are going to be taking vacations by car, maybe where historically they may have flown. You need to know how the game is played and shop around for the vehicle you're going to rent. And one thing I know trips people up who rent cars infrequently is the car rental companies will tell you that when you look at a particular kind of vehicle, that they'll give an example of one that you might be getting and they'll have maybe a picture of it. But the reality is they give you anything they consider to be similar to that in their categorizing. Also, their categorizing takes like subcompact cars and calls them midsize. So if there are several of you going, you need to really think through what size you need to rent, not based on what they call it, but what you know in real life in terms of how comfortable it would be shop around one site you can use is rentalcars.com that lets you shop around by price and make sure before you go to pick up that rental car you've talked to your own automobile insurer to find out their limits on coverage for you having temporary use of a rental vehicle that they usually define as 14 15 or 30 days for their coverage and then check which of your credit cards do cover you for temporary use of a rental car Most do secondary, some primary. Make sure whatever card you have that gives you either of those levels of coverage is what you use when you rent a car or SUV this summer. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.